Well, it's been our privilege to have Brother Thrift here for yesterday and today. It's almost become a conference here, brother. We get you for two days in a row. This is a blessing. Now, thank you for preaching for us and encouraging the men last night and uh, encouraging our group in the first service at nine o'clock this morning. And I hope that you'll listen in just a moment before he comes. Uh, we're going to have the boys and girls dismissed out to junior church, but let's do it in this order if we can. Brother Thrift's going to come and sing first. I, I'm just making him do it all this weekend, so he's going to come and we didn't make you make, do the barbecue yesterday. You'd have to <laughs> you'd have to barbecue, but he's going to sing, and uh, then after he sings, boys and girls, you be dismissed out to junior church. And then Brother Thrift, you preach for us. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother Will. I do greet you in the name that is above all names this morning, the lovely name of the Lord Jesus. I want to take a moment and sing this song. Brother Will's asked me to sing. My father died in 1985. I was telling the group this morning, my father was a stalwart in my life. He was a captain in the Army Air Corps, World War II veteran, got saved at the end of the war. Came back home, the Lord called him to preach. My mother got saved. And all those years growing up, all I ever saw was Jesus in my mother and father. In spite of some of the hypocrisies I might have seen growing up, I knew there were two Christians, at least my mom and daddy. When the Lord took him home, he took a lot out of my life. But I remember at that funeral service, Dr. Guy Lutweiler and his wife sang this song. Touched my heart then, and it touches my heart now, sister. In my darkness, Jesus found me, touched my eyes and made me see. He broke sin's chains that long had bound me. And he gave me life and liberty. Oh, glorious love of Christ, my Lord divine, that made him stoop to save a soul like mine. Through all my years and been in heaven above, my song will silence never. I'll worship him forever. I'll praise him for his glorious love. Oh, amazing truth to ponder. He whom angels host attend. Lord of heaven, God's son, what wonder. He became the sinner's friend, and he still is. Oh, glorious love of Christ, my Lord divine, that made him stoop to save a soul like mine. Through all my years and then in heaven above, my song will silence never. I'll just worship him forever. I'll praise him for his glorious love. 
shall praise him for his glorious love. I'll praise him for his glorious love. All right, boys and girls, you can head on out to the junior church. I want to take just a moment preceding the message to thank uh, the church, especially the men of the church, for the good time of fellowship yesterday evening. I don't know if Larry's here today. He's not. But Brother Will said some of his aides are here. I want to thank you for the great, the great uh, barbecue dinner we had. You know, they tell me that guys that can barbecue will never tell all their secrets. I tried to get Larry to tell me his secret, but he's true to form. So if I never eat it again, I'll know one thing. On this side of glory, I did eat something that we probably will eat at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I want to thank the church for its kindness and hospitality, your sweet spirits, the receptivity. It is evident that the Lord is at work here. I sense his presence. And I want to thank the church for your open arms and making this preacher feel welcome in your midst. Brother Will, I want to thank you for the invitation. I love you, son, and I'm praying. I turned 65 last year. I got my Medicare card. I don't know if I'm on my last leg yet. I don't believe I am. But I am on the other side of the hill. And I know where I'm going. But I'm glad as I enter into this last phase of my life in ministry. I'm glad that there's some young men like this that we can pass the baton to who will carry it on into the future and run this race for us. God bless you, son. I love you. I'm praying for you. You just keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your heart in this book and stay on your knees. And God will give you all you need. He's faithful. I love him today. I love him today. He's worthy. My heart is overwhelmed. It is goodness. He's faithful, and he never fails. <clears throat> this morning, <clears throat> I have been dealing with the subject of fear versus faith, fear versus faith. Now, I'm not going to use the same text that I used this morning. I'm going to use another text, but I'm essentially going to deal with the same subject. My wife asked me this morning early, she said, <clears throat> are you going to preach both sermons? Are you going to preach the same sermon twice? I said, sweetheart, that's up to the Lord. <clears throat> I don't plan those things. I try to be sensitive to him, but I, I just sense that in the first service, I sense that what I am preaching today is needed here. That's what I really look for when I go into a different place. I, Lord, give me a handle. Lord, give me a sense of what these people need. 
And this morning I preached on faith versus fear. The opposite of faith is fear. And even as believers, we're being controlled by one of those two things, faith. But fear, especially in light of the times that we're living in now, the circumstances that we have been through for the last year and a half. I mean, you stop and think of it. With COVID, the virus, and it is real. No doubt about it. All the social injustice that has been taking place in our land. All the political malaise. The church has been challenged over this past year and a half. And I hope and trust that we've passed the test because somewhere standing in the shadows is the Lord. My purpose in coming this morning and my purpose in preaching this message is, is to encourage your hearts. I, I want to encourage you for the days that lie ahead. We can't do anything about yesterday. That's over, done, and gone. We can't do anything about our failures that, other than confess them and repent of them. But I love what Paul said in Philippians 3, and that's not where we're going to turn, but he said this one thing I do. Forgetting those things that are behind, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I trust that the messages this morning will perpetuate that kind of focus and that kind of pursuit. I want you to look with me to Mark's gospel this morning earlier. We were in Matthew. Let's skip on over to Mark, and let's graze in a green pasture there this morning. Let us take from this text this morning the ingredients, the, the nutrients that God has for us as we feast off of these truths. What COVID and all the things that the last year has brought forth is a storm. A storm. Political storm. Social storms, physical storms, storms of all kinds. And that's where this text takes us this morning. This text takes us into a storm, through a storm, and out of a storm. They say, and rightly so, that for us as believers, life is always in one of three positions. We're either going into a storm, we're in the middle of it, or we're coming out of it. And if that's where you find yourself this morning. I trust that I'll have some words that will encourage you today. We'll begin reading in verse number 35, Mark's Gospel, chapter number 4. In the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent him away, the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind. And the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. I want you to underline that right there. It's a very interesting phrase, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, 
carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? Do you see it here? Fear versus faith. Why are ye so fearful? And how is it that ye have no faith? You cannot live in faith and live in fear, and you cannot live in fear and live in faith. And they feared exceedingly. Now there is a good fear. And it's not fear of man or fear of the circumstances, it's fear in God. Jesus spoke about this. When he said, fear not man who can kill both, who can kill the body, but rather fear God who can take both body and soul and cast it into hellfire. So their fear goes from the circumstances to the Savior. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him. We're in the midst of a terrible storm. I, in January last year, I was on the Sea of Galilee. Looking back toward the Golan Heights, I saw that V cut, that pass in those mountains. They tell me that when the winds begin to blow out of the Golan Heights, that ferocious storms can whip up on the Sea of Galilee in five minutes your boat can be overwhelmed with waves. I was just hoping that that didn't apply to the 30 minutes I was out there. That's what happened on this occasion. The disciples got in the boat with Jesus. They began to go across to the other side and a fierce storm whipped up and the disciples were in a frenzy. I mean, this wasn't just a thunderstorm. Evidently the water was coming over the bow and the, and, and the back of the ship. Evidently the ship was sinking and water was coming in because they believed they were going to die. They even asked Jesus, don't you care about our lives or whether or not we're going to live? And the Bible makes an interesting statement here that while all this was going on, Jesus is in the bottom of the ship and Jesus is asleep on a pillow. I love the way the Holy Spirit uses words in the Scripture to literally capture our attention. Sometimes they crawl off the page and hug us about the neck and plant a kiss on our cheek. And then sometimes it's like the snap of a finger. It gets our attention. This really got my attention. Because the Bible says of Jesus that foxes have their holes and birds have their nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And yet on this occasion, the Holy Spirit saw to it that he not only had a place to lay his head, but he had a pillow to lay his head on. Can I make this statement? I don't know why I'm asking because I'm going to. What scares you and I half to death puts him to sleep. Let me say it again. What scares you and I half to death puts Jesus to sleep. I say that, dearly beloved, in retrospect of what 
you and I have gone through in this past year, year and a half because even many of God's people have been scared to death. But I want you to know, according to the book of Hebrews chapter 4, that there remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. You know what that rest is? When we quit struggling, we quit trying to do it, and we just rest in His ability and in His power. Did not Jesus mention that in the Gospels when He said, take my yoke upon you? And what did He say? He said, if you do it, you'll find rest for your soul. You'll pray for me. Just for a few moments, I want to preach on the subject of some pillows you and I can lay our head on in the midst of the storm. There's four of them here. I'll talk about the pillow of his people in this boat was only Jesus and his disciples. Back in chapter 3, he called his disciples. A great multitude came on the scene in chapter 4 and Jesus preached what constitutes the Sermon on the Mount. At the end of that sermon, Jesus makes a command to go to the other side and the only people in that boat were Jesus and his disciples. And boy, were those disciples not in the right boat. They were in the boat that Jesus was in and that's all that mattered. There were other little ships, you know. But they got in the boat with Jesus and, 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 and as they began to look around and the storm began to blow, they understood one thing, that they were not in this by themselves. There is the pillow of His people. Number two, there's the pillow of His presence. When it got at its worst, dearly beloved, the Bible said they came to Jesus Boy, I'm so glad that Jesus is with us this morning. Even in the face of what we've been through this last year and a half, there's never been a time if you're saved today that Jesus was not with you. He's with you in the midst of the storm. But not only is there the pillow of His people and the pillow of His presence, but there's the pillow of His power. And it all got so bad and they came to Jesus. The Bible says he stood up. He spoke to the wind. He spoke to the waves. The waves laid down and the wind ceased because his power is greater than any power. But then there's the pillow of his promise. He made a promise in verse 35 and he kept that promise in chapter 5. In verse number one. Now I'm here to tell you today, this book is filled with promise after promise. And if you're a child of God, every one of them are for you, amen. And he is a promise keeper, amen. He will bring you through the storm. I trust that this will be an encouragement to you today. What about the pillow of his people? The storm began to blow. The winds began to whistle and the waves rose high, dearly beloved, and fear began to grip the hearts of these disciples. 
Much the same happens to us when the storms of life begin to blow our way. But I want to encourage you today, and I trust that this will be an encouragement to you, and that is this, that the pillow of his people resides in the fact that we're not in this by ourselves. We're not the only one. You know, there could be nothing worse than loneliness. The, 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 the greatest fear about hell to me, dearly beloved, is not the fire, but it's the darkness and the, the fact that, that when you die and go to hell, you're going to feel like you're there all by yourself. I've heard some people say, well, I'm not afraid of dying and going to hell. Me and my buddies will just throw a party. The only problem is you won't even know your buddies are there. It is a place of eternal darkness. And it'll be as though you're all by yourself. I'm glad that in the midst of this storm, I've had my wife and family to, to talk to and to encourage me and for us to encourage one another. But when it comes to the church and my, how the storm has blown this past year, I'm just so glad this morning that we're not in this by ourselves. We have our pastors to visit us and pray for us and, and to love us. You know, to me as a pastor, one of the hardest things about COVID would, been, would, would have been not to have been able to visit my people in the hospital. I love visiting my people in the hospital. I went to all the surgeries. I was the last person to see them before they went in. I'd be one of the first people to see them before they went out. That would have been a hard thing for me. But I'm grateful this morning that in the midst of the storm that I have a pastor who would call me up and say, hey, just want you to know that I love you. I'm praying for you. And whether it was a virtual service or whether you could come, a pastor to come to preach and open the book to me and feed me the word of God and remind me that you're not in this by yourself. God's people are in this with you. I thank the Lord for that. My, what a pillow to lay my head on in the midst of the storm. What a comfort and a strength and encouragement. What a rest it is to know that I've got brothers and sisters in Christ who are praying for me. And, and I've got brothers and sisters in Christ who have my back and they're looking out for me. I might have gone through a time where I had need for food and they brought food to me. I might have needed some help with paying a bill and some of them might have slipped a $20 bill in my pocket. I don't know. I'm just saying I'm grateful today that we're not in this by ourselves. After all, we share a common bond. What is that bond? We're disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And you know, sometimes depending on the circumstances with your family, sometimes you'll be closer to your church family than you are your human family. There are families today that are split because somebody decided to follow Jesus and walk with God and their family wanted to go the other way. But oh, what a blessing it is to know that you're part of the beloved. You're accepted into the redeemed. You have brothers and sisters in Christ that love you and pray for you and you share a common bond and that is you're followers of the Lord Jesus. But not only do we share a common bond, we share a common boat. You know, there were other little ships out there. But brother, they were in the ship that Jesus was in. 
We share a common boat. What is that boat? That boat is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is that boat that has been tattered and scarred and worn and become weary. But I'm glad today, dearly beloved, we know that that boat started off, went through the storm and came to the other side. I'm glad that the church is going to make it. There's a lot of things that won't make it, but you can mark it down. The church is going to make it. Somebody asked me the other day, what do you think is going to happen to Israel? I said, I have no doubt what's going to happen to Israel. It's all the other people I don't know about. We know that when Jesus comes to this earth again, that Israel is going to be here and that Israel is going to be intact. I, I don't know about all the other entities of this world, but I know when it's all said and done and the smoke all clears, I know the church is going to be standing on the other side with Jesus. We share a common bond. We're all disciples. We share a common boat. We're a part of the church. We share a common battle. There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common unto man. But God, who is faithful, who will also with the temptation provide a way of escape that you might also be able to bear. I just want to say this morning, the storms are blowing and the waves are rising. We're going through difficult times, but rest your head tonight or this morning. Rest your head, rest your heart, rest your soul on the pillow of his people. But what about the pillow of his presence? The Bible says here in verse number 36, they took him even as he was in the ship. And in verse, verse number 38 says, and he was in the hinder part of the ship. I'm so glad that we have the presence of Jesus with us. And my, what a pillow to lay our head on in the midst of the storm. When the winds are blowing and the waves are rising, just the knowledge of what he said in Matthew 28 and 20, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of this world. In Hebrews 13, 6, he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Magnifies the fact that we have his promised presence. In verse number 35, he said, let us, let us go to the other side. What is he saying there? You're not going by yourself. I'm going with you. I'm glad we have his promised presence this morning. I'm glad we have the promise of this book that he is with us and that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. In the worst days of this COVID last year, two men in our church passed away who were in bad health. Their wives took them to the emergency room door, said goodbye to them, and they never saw them again. That is an overwhelming proposition. But my, the peace that comes to our heart to know that when they see their husbands again, there'll never be another parting. There'll never be another goodbye. Eternity will be sweet. I've watched these women since that time and they've stayed faithful. They've stayed in the house of God. And it's not just the memory of their husband, but it is the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ within us that drives us forward and strengthens us and helps us in the midst of the storm. We not only have his promised presence, we have his permanent presence. 
from Mark chapter 4 and verse 35 to Mark chapter 5 and verse number 1. Throughout the whole of the storm, I never see a time when Jesus got out of the boat. We have his permanent presence. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Take heart, O children of Rest in this fact. Lay your head on this pillow that what you've been through in the last year and a half and what you're yet to go through, Jesus is going to be with you all the way through. Why, just ask Joseph. Joseph, were you all by yourself in the pit? Joseph, were you all by yourself in the prison? He'll say, no, because after it was all said and done, what they meant to me for evil, God meant to me for good. Why ask Daniel, Daniel, were you all by yourself in the lion's den? He'd say, no, when things got their worst, my God came into the lion's den and no longer was it Daniel in the lion's den, it was the lions in God's den. That's the three Hebrew children. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, I only memorized their Babylonians. Were you by yourself in the fiery furnace? Well, we thought we were for a minute. But the fire was so hot that the men who cast us in, their superheated hot air burned their lungs and killed them. They died. The fire was hot, but all of a sudden, somebody looked like Jesus walked in. He said, pull up a chair, boy. Sit down and warm your hands by the fire. It's kind of cold in here. He showed. When Thomas was his doubting self, Jesus showed up. When Simon Peter cursed and left and went back to Galilee, Jesus showed up. He doesn't just get on board, he stays on board. We have his promised presence, his permanent presence. We have his prevalent presence. When things got the worse, he was right next to him in that ship. Let me give you a verse. Philippians 4 and 4 says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. And listen to this. The Lord is at hand. I used to read that verse and think that that was talking about the coming of the Lord, but that's not what it's talking about. Paul said, Let your moderation be known unto all men. Live your life in moderation. He said, Because what he's saying is the Lord is near. The Lord is close. He's as near as the mention of his name, the old songwriter said. You can literally reach out and touch him. Hey, what are you going through today? What storm is blowing in your life? It could be a financial storm. It, it could be a family storm. It could be a friend storm. It could be a fiendish storm caused by the devil himself. I'm glad to tell you Jesus is not dislocated this morning. He's as near as the mention of his name. Just reach out and touch him. Fill with his presence. What about the pillow of his power? They came to Jesus in verse number 38, and they said, don't you care that we're about to die? And look what it says in verse 39. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Jesus got up. He was asleep, but he wasn't asleep. Because our God neither sleeps nor slumbers. He was resting. 
Best illustration I can give you that is a guy in my church who was Green Beret. He'd go on mission trips with me. And he always thought he was on some military operation. We were asleep down there in a place in Mexico, and I forget even where it was. And I got up in the middle of the night to walk over there towards him. The man was literally laying there asleep with his eyes open. I asked him the next morning, Brother Joe, how do you sleep with your eyes open? He said, ask the Green Beret. That's how Jesus was sleeping. He sleeps nor slumbers, but he was resting. The Bible said he arose and he looked at the wind and said, shh. The wind said, that sounds like the voice of the creator. It's time for us to withhold. He looked at the waves and he waved his right arm of deity and the wave says, that looks like the hand of the creator. It's time for us. It serves me to say this this morning. Number one, his power is greater than the storm. I don't care what storm you're going through. It might even be some sort of family storm. Maybe your heart is broken because your children are wandering this morning. Maybe you're worrying about how you're going to buy your next meal, pay your next bill. I don't know what the storm is this morning. I just want to say that his power is greater than the storm. He has the power either to steal the storm or he has the power to give you the strength to go through it. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common unto man, but God who is faithful, who will also with the temptation provide a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. He did not promise to take us under it, around it, or over it, but through it. Through the storm, I've learned this down through the years. Our God will either lessen the intensity of the storm or he'll either heighten our capacity to go through it. But his power is greater than the storm. He's greater than COVID. Now, I'm not saying this is for everybody. I'm just a hands-on, I was a hands-on pastor. I mean, you'd think I was running for office the way I love to shake hands <laughs> and even hug necks. My wife said, you have to change that. You can't be doing that with all this virus. I said, well, you just pray for me, sweetheart. And so all through this virus, what have I been doing? Shaking hands, hugging necks. I'm not bragging. I'm not even saying that was a wise thing. That's just the way God's made me. But in my case, I wouldn't say that's for you. I found out that God is greater than the COVID. Went to Puerto Rico week before last. All through this, I've never had it to my knowledge. I've never even been tested. But to go to Puerto Rico, I had to get a test. So I went to the CVS pharmacy, and they passed that test through the window. There's this big, long Q-tip. I'm thinking, dear Lord, what do you want to do with that? Then they has this, this little old flask with a little fluid, a substance in it. I said, okay, Mr. Thrift, Miss Thrift, take that thing and stuff it way up in the back of your nostril. Boy, I stuffed that thing up in there until my eyes started watering. They said, wallow it around and leave it there for 15 seconds. I thought, Lord, help me. I don't want to go 1,001, 1,002, 1,003. Then they said, take it and put it, open the cap on the 
flask, put it in there, break it off at the stem, drop it in. Well, you know, you probably did that. I thought, dear Lord, I didn't know what all I'd missed. What a thrill. I haven't gotten it yet. I don't know if I, and I'm not saying I won't. I'm not saying I won't, but I am telling you this. Our Lord's power is greater than this storm. One of these days, one of these days, he's going to look at COVID and go, and blow it away by the breath of his mouth. His power is not only greater than the storm, his power is greater than Satan. You know, Paul said in the book of Romans, greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world, and he was talking about Satan. And you come into chapter 5, and where do they come? They come to the land of the Gadarean. There's a man in a graveyard, and when I was there a few years back, they said that's the only graveyard. They showed me the graveyard they found in Gadara. What's amazing is it's on a hillside. They also told me that that's, there's no place in all the Holy Land that has a greater population of feral hogs than Gadara. You remember the story when those demons went into those feral hogs and went right into the scene. If you stand there, those mountains go right into the water. I love it. I love it when science and geography, they don't prove the Bible, but they support the Bible. The Bible proves them. But you remember when Jesus came ashore, this man was full of, the, full of demons. He was breaking chains and fetters. He had superhuman strength, and the Bible said he came running to Jesus. But brother, when he got there, it wasn't him that was talking. It was the demon within him. And if you remember, that demon said this to Jesus. He said, what have I to do with thee, Jesus? Thou art the son of the most high God. I adjure thee that thou torment me not. And they asked him to send them to some other place. You know why? Because the devil himself knows and these demons know that hell was created for them and that one day they're going to be cast there. When he saw Jesus, he thought the Lord was going to cast him into hell. And he begged for the Lord to send him some place else. He's greater than the devil. Oh, he's the prince of the power of the air. Now he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But one day the son of God's going to take the devil and the beast and the false prophet. He's going to bind them in the bottomless pit at the end of that time. They're going to be loosed for a season. But after that season, they're going to be cast into a place called the lake of fire. He's greater than Satan. His power is greater than the devil. No matter what the devil would do against you, if God be for us, who can be against us? But his power is greater than the sickness. You go on in chapter 5, and there is the daughter of Jairus who was raised by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know what COVID has done, and I know what this last year has done to many of us. I know the struggle and what we've gone through, but I ask you today to, to rest in the people of God around you who love you and are praying for you, who support you. Rest in the presence of the Lord Jesus who will never leave you nor forsake you, and rest in the power of a resurrected life. But then there's the pillow of his promise. 
In chapter 4 and verse 35, he made a promise. He said, let's go to the other side. Look at chapter 5 and verse number 1. It says, and they came over unto the other side. He made a promise and he kept it. I love the way the Lord conveys his promises. How does he convey them? Through his word right here. He spoke that promise to those disciples. And can I say, he speaks that these promises to you and I from this precious word. I want you to understand today, prayer is you talking to God. This book is God talking to you and I. And as you peruse through this book and graze upon its green pastures, he speaks to your heart. He yields promises to you. And can I say, there's not a one of them he does not intend to keep, nor that he does not have the power. He promised to save you, and he saved you. He's promised to keep you, and he'll keep you. He's promised to provide your needs, and he has provided our needs. He's promised to be with us. And I'm grateful today that in the worst of these storms, I've been able to sense the unseen hand of God with us each and every step of the I travel almost every week now. Sometimes I stay in church basements and church prophets chambers. Sometimes I stay in hotels. Sometimes members' homes, maybe a pastor's home. My favorite motel to stay in is the Hampton Inn and Suites. And I'm going to tell you why. Because they have the best pillows on their bed. They've got those long pillows, thick pillows that you can punch and never quite feel like you punch through it. I mean, it's just thick. When I go into the Hampton Inn and Suites and I go to bed at night, I arrange my pillows. I put two of them across the head of the bed, one for my arms and one for my legs. And that way, if I roll to the right, I'm rolling with my pillows. If I roll to the left, I'm rolling with my pillows. No matter where I roll on that bed, no matter where I go, I've got a pillow. Between my legs, between my arms, and beneath my head. And there's no sweeter sleep than that. There's storms blowing today. And some of us are all bound up inside. Our hearts are full of fear. What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen to our country? What's going to happen to our nation? What's going to happen to our economy? What's going to happen to our jobs? And I can stand here to tell you today that God's bigger than that and that He is. And I wish I could stand here and tell you today that there won't be any storms, that there won't be any persecution, that there won't be any hard times, but I would not and cannot tell you. I'll tell you what I can tell you. There remaineth therefore a rest for the people of God. Lay your head down on that pillow and rest in Him today.
what the world needs to see when the, when the world is at its worst. They need to see the church at its best. They don't need to see us pushing the panic button, losing our temper, getting mad and getting angry. They need to see us singing through the storm when Paul and Silas went to jail in Philippi. The Bible said at midnight they were praying and singing praises to God and the prisoners heard them and when the earthquake came and everything busted beneath their feet. That Philippian jailer didn't go to the other prisoners of the Roman government. He went to those men who had grace in the midst of the storm. My, what a time to shine. It's never better to shine than when in the darkness. My, what a time for the church to stand up and be a blessing to this world when the storm is blowing. In the midst of it all, there's a peace in the midst of the storm. There's a pillar to lay our head on. The Roloff used to sing, There's peace in a time of trouble. Oh, there's peace in the midst of the storm. There's peace though the world be raging in the shelter of is on. My wife and I have nine grandchildren. My race is almost run. And I know where I'm going when I die. I weep. I hurt that my children won't grow up in the America that I've grown up in. But they'll grow up in the church that I've grown up in. And more important than growing up in the America I've grown up in, they'll grow up in the church that I've grown up in. And I trust and pray that they'll find the pillow that I have found all these years. May the Lord bless you. I love you and the Lord today. I trust that these words have been encouraging words to you and will give you grace as you step out these doors because there lies the storm.